Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. Morning, those of you that are watching online. Before we dive into part three of our series, uh, I wanted to tell you about one thing, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, But last week, we reintroduced and kind of gave an update on our People Must Know campaign. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, you can, uh, there's a brochure right in front of you. Basically, we're we're trying to do two things as a church. We're trying to plant another church uh, in Edgewater. And then we're also trying to get ourselves in a space where we can uh, get into our own location because we rent this, this location. And so... The reason I bring that up, one is to, if you weren't here last week, grab a brochure, look at it. Uh, But secondly, next week after the service, we're going to have a question and answer time over in the fellowship hall. So if you have questions about this uh, People Must Know campaign, you can go to our website. There's a a part of our website dedicated to it, but also we'll have a a question and answer time next week. So I wanted to make you aware of that as well. So uh, over this past couple years... And really for us, over this past about seven or eight months, uh, as a family, we've had a couple really, really special uh, events as a family. And uh, with your family, you probably have seasons where, you know, you have birthdays and all those things are special. But then once in a while, you have the, the graduations or the really big anniversaries, and, and it's really big memories for your family. Well, in this past season, we've had a couple of those, uh, both my mom and dad, and then Lori's mom and dad, Stephen Sue, who, who you guys know, uh, they both celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary uh, within, a, within a few months of each other. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so this summer, I think you got a, a picture of a Stephen Sue making out there, which is always good. Uh, but over these past uh, couple, and Steve's literally walking in the back door now to me talking about him making out. Uh, but... The, the both of them, this past summer we were in Florida, and you saw a picture of my parents. We were able to renew their vows uh, right there on Anna Maria Island, right on the beach, which is a, a special place for our family, a place that we have vacationed as I, uh, you know, growing up and different stuff like that. And then about a week and a half ago, we were able to do the same thing uh, for Stephen Sue. And so they, uh, that picture of them is, is uh, Austin, my son, and I were able to help renew their vows Uh, at a ceremony just locally with a lot of family and friends. And these two events, they're they're big lifetime memories. Uh, They're things that, man, you know, birthdays are great, Christmases are great, but then you have a few memories in your life where you have these big lifetime memories. And and when we had Stephen Sue's anniversary celebration and my mom and dad's, it's those big memories. And I love those events for a bunch of different reasons, But one of the reasons that I loved these events the most 
was because it gave my kids an example of what marriage could and should be. And there's no better way than to have two sets of grandparents that have literally been married for 50 years and just the picture and the example that was for my kids, I just, man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it was, it was very special for a lot of reasons, but those were two of the reasons that, man, for me, watching even my kids participate in both of those ceremonies and just having that lasting memory of what marriage could and should be uh, was really special. And we live in a world where there's a lot of opinions on a lot of different things, including marriage. Uh, culture tells us, gives us opinions on all the different things in our life, and politics gives us opinions. Uh, people that are close to us, they're happy to give their opinions to us. And there's a lot of opinions about how we should live our life, how we should spend our money, where we should go to dinner, where we should go on vacation. I mean, there's just opinions all over the world. Anywhere you look, somebody's trying to give you their opinion on different areas of their life. And one of those areas is on marriage. Marriage is one of those areas where you, man, everybody in this room has a strong opinion about marriage on, in some fashion, and you believe certain things about it. Uh, if you go to culture, you're going to get different views and different opinions. Uh, if you go to uh, the news, man, according to what channel you choose to watch, you're going to get different opinions, and people are going to try to push you to believe what they believe. But over these last few weeks, we've been taking subjects like marriage and money and religion, and we've tried to narrow it down to maybe the most important question. The most important question is, what did Jesus say about these important topics? And today, what we want to do is we want to ask that question about marriage, like, okay, I get what the news station I tell, you know, tells me to believe, and I get what the government tells me to believe, and I get what culture says I should believe, and, and I get even what people close to me kind of point me to and tell me what I should believe. But if you're a follower of Jesus above any of those voices in your life, the question that all of us should be asking ourselves is, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? And, and you fill in the blank with any topic. What did Jesus say? And here's the thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then embracing what Jesus said on any topic is optional. We ask the question, what does Jesus say about money? And if you're not a Jesus follower, you can take it or leave it. We asked the question last week, what does Jesus say about religion? And again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, you can see, kind of weigh the options. But if you're someone who's a follower of Jesus, the question that you should wonder, and the question that whether you like it or not, you should want to know the answer to is, what did Jesus say about, and you fill in the blank about the topic. And, and here's the unfortunate thing. Sometimes... People who claim to be Jesus followers get angry at other people who aren't Jesus followers and are acting like they're not Jesus followers. Does that make sense? 
So for some of you, 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 may, you, you may have come to a church, and, you, and I apologize if that was your, ever your experience. You may have come to a church and you have some questions and you, man, you're not sure if you buy into the whole Jesus thing and, and you came with some legitimate questions. You came with, man, wanting to lean into what Jesus said and you, you wanted to, to learn and you weren't there to do anything but just lean in and ask questions and you were made to feel unwelcomed by Jesus followers who got angry at you because you weren't acting like a Jesus follower and you aren't one. And if that's what you've ever experienced on any topic, I apologize because that's not the way Jesus was. If you look in the gospels and you look at the life of Jesus, the people who had some bumps in the road and the people who were uh, kind of trying to figure some things out, they were the ones that were stalking Jesus. They were the ones inviting him over to dinner, and Jesus welcomed those people, and the church doesn't always follow Jesus' example on that. And to that, I apologize if you've ever felt that way. Because as you follow the life of Jesus, you're going to notice that people that, man, their life didn't line up with what Jesus said, but they were interested because Jesus cared. And they knew that Jesus would tell the truth. And so you had people that, man, the religious crowd had kind of kind of kicked out and said, you're not welcome. Those same people were saying, Jesus, you want to come over and watch the game and I'm order some wings and we'll just hang out? And Jesus was saying yes to those opportunities. And he got criticized for it, which he obviously could have cared less. But, but he got criticized for that. And so no matter where you are spiritually or kind of what you believe about different things, here's the question we're going to lean into. We're going to lean into this question, what did Jesus say about marriage? There's a guy in the Bible, his name's Matthew, and he was one of those guys who had some bumps in the road, and Jesus showed him grace, and he leaned in, and he became a follower of Jesus, and and he actually wrote down a historical account of Jesus' life. And we're going to look at part of that historical account in Matthew chapter 19. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can look at Matthew chapter 19. And Matthew chapter 19, here's how it starts. It starts like this. It says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, okay, Jesus, what things did you finish saying? Well, if you look back at Matthew 18, Jesus had just talked about forgiveness. He had just talked about how to help a brother or sister who is living in sin and how to to graciously kind of help them make some good decisions. So he he had unpacked a lot of this. He had unpacked forgiveness. And so... After he had talked about that, it says he departed from Galilee and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. So here's what we know. This was the last time Jesus was in Galilee before he died. So when he left Galilee, he was headed to Jerusalem knowing that he was a few days away from giving his life. So he had finished kind of talking about all these big things with these people in Galilee And now he was kind of making his way slowly to Jerusalem where he knew what was waiting for him. And so verse 2 says this, large crowds followed him and he healed them there. 
So just like normal, everywhere at this point in Jesus' life, this was pretty normal. People with a lot of needs, man, they, they just kind of followed Jesus. He, he literally couldn't get away from them sometime. And so they, they followed him, and Jesus was gracious. He healed them. And then it says this in verse 3. While these kind of people are around, also it says some Pharisees approached him to test him. So this was pretty normal for Jesus, too. Large crowds of people that had needs and had questions, they followed Jesus But then there was always this group of religious leaders that they always kind of found their way into the mix too. And they weren't there to get Jesus' advice. They weren't there to be healed. They weren't there to because they bought into anything Jesus said. They were there to discredit Jesus. And so what they would do is they would choose kind of tough questions, controversial questions And their goal was, when all these people were around Jesus following him, they threw out these big questions, and their goal was, we'll get him with this question. He's not going to know how to answer this one, and it's going to discredit him in front of all these people. And so that's exactly what happened. They're they're hanging out with Jesus. All these people are there, and they ask a, a really controversial question, and here's the question. They ask, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? So Jesus healing the blind. He's feeding this guy, doing all this. And then all of a sudden, little guy in the back, really dressed well, religious outfit. And again, again, this is my mind's eye. Obviously, I wasn't there. Throws out, hey, hey, Jesus, while everybody's around, I got a question for you. Hey, is, is it lawful? For a man to divorce his wife on any grounds. Because in this day and age, and kind of in in this time period, there were two schools of thought. There was a rabbi, Hillel, who taught basically that Moses permitted divorce for anything. So, dude, if you don't like her shoes, divorce her. If, if If the biscuits were burnt, divorce her. Like, there was a school of thought that was like, hey, if You can do whatever you want, man. You don't really need a reason. But then there was this other rabbi, Rabbi Shammai, and and he followed a a much stricter interpretation of what Moses said. And so obviously these guys that are asking this question, they're leaning on the side of, basically, I can do whatever I want whenever I want. Let me throw this out to Jesus, and maybe I can get the crowd kind of riled up at him. And so they asked this question, and again, you know, there's, there's other questions that are controversial, but this one would be a, a tough one, like throwing out in the middle of the crowd. So, so, hey, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? And instead of Jesus going back to what Moses said, which is what they were referring to in Deuteronomy, what Jesus did is he went back to Genesis, and he talked about, he pointed them to how God intended marriage. At the very beginning. And so here's what Jesus says. And he kind of starts out with a little dig. Haven't you read? Because he's talking to religious leaders that have grown up like reading the law, memorizing the law since they were little boys. And so he's like, you guys really don't know? Like you, you haven't been reading? You guys obviously didn't make good grades? Like what's going on? You Haven't you read? He says, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. 
And so what Jesus was saying is, hey, haven't you read Genesis? And it's specifically Genesis 1.27. Haven't you guys, didn't you learn this when you were five years old? So here's what Genesis 1.27 says that Jesus was pointing them back to. He says this, so God created man. And he, when he says man, he's, he's using that word to, for all humanity. So God created humanity in his own image. Now, this is a big idea right here, that God created us in his image. That's a big deal. And so Jesus, he reminds these guys of what God did. And then he says this, he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And so here's, Jesus says, hey, you guys don't remember what, you, what, you guys don't remember this? You haven't read this? You haven't read that God created man in his own image and that he created them male and female? That, that he created two complementary, complementary genders and, and those two people had a job like what Jesus, what, what God told him in the very next few verses was, hey, I want you to rule the earth and I want you to fill the earth. Like that's, he says, hey, I've, I've created these Two genders, male and female. There's not like a varsity and a JV. They're both, it's complementary. I've created these two and, and they have been created to fill the earth and to rule the earth, to have dominion over the earth. And, and so Jesus points him back to this. And then he says this, he says, and he also said, and he points him to another verse in Genesis, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so again, he says, hey guys, you remember, you learned this when you were five, you've been memorizing this, obviously you haven't applied it, or you wouldn't have this question. He reminds the religious leaders of kind of God's intention for marriage. He reminds them that a man and woman will leave their family and unify and they will unify physically, they will unify spiritually, they will unify emotionally. And he's reminding them of this. And he says this in verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so he, he kind of points out, like, you're, like, your whole premise is flawed, guys. Because when God intended marriage, he, he doesn't see people that are married as two people. He sees them as one person. And so this idea of asking a question about divorce, it's, it's hard to separate something that's one. Two things, in this case, people become one, and they are intended never to separate. I mean, and you know this, like you can break something... But you can't separate something that's one. Like, you can break it. Like, I, you, you may not know this, but we actually have two of these. And if you're ever back here and you're in charge of moving this thing, I always tell that person, grab it here. Because if you don't, you're going to get embarrassed because this thing pops off. So I actually have the other one right here. As, use it as an example. So... If I was to say to you, hey, separate this thing, 
it's pretty easy to separate. It literally pops off. And, and here's why it's easy to separate this thing, because it's two separate pieces. Real easy to separate something that's two separate pieces. But if I was to say, hey, I want you to separate this thing. This is not two separate pieces, this piece of wood here. It's one piece. So yeah, you could break it, but it's not going to be clean. It's, it's gonna, you're going to have to cut it. Like It doesn't separate because it's one thing. You can separate something pretty easily if it's two separate pieces. But when you try to break something or separate something that is one, it can get messy. It can get painful. It just doesn't, it's not natural. And that's what Jesus is saying. And anybody here that's, man, you have been through divorce or you were a kid that went through a divorce, your parents did, like you, you say, yeah, yeah, man, it's, it doesn't separate cleanly. Let's just say that. It can get messy. It can get painful. Stuff doesn't break evenly. It's just tough. And some of you, you're, you're none because you're like, yeah. I was the kid when that happened to my parents. Or, man, I, my first marriage ended. It didn't go well. And, and so we, we would all agree with, like, yeah, of course. And this is where Jesus, he was, he was pointing to them that, hey, man, two pieces separate easily. But when something is one, man, it is, it's real painful to make it two again. And it, and it doesn't happen cleanly. And he's, he's reminding these religious leaders that when a man and woman come together in marriage, God doesn't see them separate. He sees them as one. And because these religious leaders are pretty proud people, and they're pretty stupid, they just kind of dig more. They kind of try to dig themselves into more of a hole. And so they're like, oh, well, oh yeah, he kind of got us on that one. Uh, all right, I got another question. Let me throw this out at you, Jesus. And, and here's what they say next. Well, well, why then, they ask him, did Moses command us to di give divorce papers and to send her away? So do these people like Moses and Abraham and David are like their heroes. It's like we put posters of athletes and actors on our wall they probably had posters of Moses and David and Abraham. Like, these are their heroes. And so they're, they're you know, trying to poke at Jesus, trying to discredit him. And, well, why, why did Moses? He, he commanded us to give divorce papers. And, and Jesus, you, you kind of sound like you think this divorce thing isn't really a good thing to do. But, but your boy Moses, man, he actually told us to do it. So what do you got to say about that? And Jesus, he's a master, obviously, at this kind of stuff. He says this to him. He says, he told them, Moses permitted, difference between commanded and permitted, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. Yeah, 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 you're right. Moses permitted it because of your sinful hearts. Because you wouldn't listen to what God said. Because you had a hard heart. And so Moses permitted it. But he didn't command you. And then he says this. But it was not like that from the beginning. Yeah, Moses permitted it because of your hard hearts. But that wasn't what God intended. That was never what it was supposed to be. 
The only reason it ever became that on any level was because of the sinful, rebellious hearts inside you. And then, he, then he, Jesus says this. Because Jesus is like, well, y'all ask, so I'm going to go there. We're gonna go, well, I'm going to go hard here. And he, and he says this. He says, he says, I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So Jesus, what do you really think? Like he's pretty straightforward. He says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, and obviously I don't need to define that for you, you know what that is, and marries another, commits adultery. And here's what was happening. Men were trying to use divorce as an umbrella for adultery. So, oh, my secretary's looking cute, so uh, I think the, yeah, that she burnt the green beans, so I'm going to divorce her so I can go to her. And basically, like, they were using divorce as an excuse to go commit adultery. And Jesus, he's calling them on it. And, and even back when in Moses' day, they, Moses was, was calling them on it. Because these guys, they were, they were trying to fit, just kind of fit inside the rules just enough. And so they were trying to justify their adultery by just fitting inside the rules. And, and usually people with a hard heart or rebellious people, they're, they're trying to find a way to justify what they know is not right. And that's what these guys were doing. And so Jesus just calls them on it. He says, you guys, you're, you're, you're basically committing adultery. You, you can't just go home and be like, you know what? I'm tired of you and the girl down the road looks cute, so I'm going to go there. And it's okay. And so Jesus was kind of calling, them on, calling it, uh, them on this, calling them on this idea of justifying adultery by saying it's divorce. And then verse 10, look at, so his disciples, they're kind of hanging out listening to all this, and they say some pretty obvious things. Here's what his disciples said to him. If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not even to get married. Basically saying, hey, Jesus, after, I, after you say that, I, I'm guessing you think marriage is a big deal, Jesus. It seems like marriage is a pretty big deal to you. And it seems like it's a pretty big commitment to you too. And so it seems like we probably shouldn't take it lightly and maybe even shouldn't even get married if we're going to take it lightly. And Jesus is like, bingo, yeah. I mean, these guys, are, they're fishermen. They're like, they're not the brightest guys in the bunch, but they're like, well, it's pretty, like, it's pretty clear what you're saying here, Jesus. Oh, you take marriage and God takes marriage a lot more serious than these religious leaders take it. And so maybe we need to think this thing through before we get married. We maybe need to take this a little less lightly because it seems like it's a pretty big deal to you, Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. His, this was his response. He responded, Not everyone can accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. And so Jesus says, Man, not everybody's buying into this. And, and so, yeah, maybe some people just need to stay single. 
And, and Jesus isn't saying that being single or married is, is one's better than the other, but he's saying, man, basically marriage is a big deal. Don't take it lightly. Take it very seriously. It's, it's kind of the point of this whole thing that I've been saying to these religious leaders. And if, if, if you can't buy into what I'm saying, if, if it's too hard of a, a thing, then maybe it's just better. You're right. Maybe it's just better not to get married because it is a big deal. And there is a lot of commitment. I mean, no, no matter whether you're watching online or uh, whether you're here this morning, no matter what kind of your marriage status is or where you are as it relates to faith, all of us have strong opinions about this. And we have strong opinions based on maybe our upbringing, based on our personal experience, maybe based on what culture tells us, what the politics tells us. We, we all have some strong opinions, and we have strong opinions for different reasons. But, but here's the question that I just want to throw out to us, and it's, a, it's just a, a personal question. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward question. But it's just one that, that we should all probably think about and answer, and it's simply this. Do you believe what Jesus believed about marriage? Again, I, I don't care what your person, like your mom and dad taught you. I'm sure it was great. I don't care what like culture tells us or what our government tells us or what our, you know, your favorite political party... Like, you know, those voices are, there's some good things about those voices, and there's some things that obviously we all know we shouldn't base our whole opinion on based on those things. And so, but this is a question that I think is, if you're a Jesus follower, like this is a question that should mean something to you. Do you believe and do I believe what Jesus believed? And if, and, and if you don't, and this is where, I'll come back to the beginning. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's okay to be like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I buy into all that. That's okay. And we're not going to treat you like anything different if you don't. And if that's ever happened to you when you've been grappling with a question about faith or life, again, I apologize. That's not what, how Jesus would want it. But if you say, man, I am a follower of Jesus then this is a question that should, it should be something you should be concerned about at least. And, and, and here, here's what it should lead us to do. If, if you say, yes, yes, I do. I believe what Jesus believed. If we believe what Jesus believed about marriage, then it should lead us to do a few things. The first thing it should do, it should lead us to celebrate marriage. And, and I know that for some of you, you've never seen a good example of marriage like in your family and maybe for you you're like dude celebrate what I've seen I've seen a bunch of train wrecks I've seen a bunch of hurt I've been hurt so it's hard to celebrate what I've seen and I, I agree but if you celebrate God's intention and because marriage was something that God initiated and what God wanted it to be even, even if you say, I'm gonna, as hard as it is, I'm going to set aside the craziness that I've seen, and I'm going to go back to what God said this thing should be, and just ask yourself that question. Man, if I, if I see it that way, man, 
That should be celebrated. It was a big deal to God. It was one of the very first things that he initiated. It was something that Jesus talked about a lot. And so we should celebrate it. It should be. And you guys did. When I talked about 50 years, you know, my mom and dad and Steve and Sue, we clapped. Because we should. It's a big deal. If you've been married for five years, congratulations. If you've been married for 50, congratulations. It's a big deal. It should be celebrated. But the second thing, if if we believe what Jesus believed about marriage, the second thing is this. We should take it seriously. Like God intended it to last. That's why for us at, at our church, if you want, and we love doing them, and we've had some awesome weddings as our church is still pretty young, but we've had opportunities to marry different couples, and it's been awesome. But before someone gets married at our church, or if, if we're going to do it, we have them go through some marriage counseling, some premarital counseling. And, I mean, I've had multiple couples at my table before they got married. Steve and Sue have had couples at their table, other people that have helped with marriage counseling. The reason we do it is not because we just need to check a box, but because, man, we we take it seriously, and we know it's not easy, and we know uh, it's going to be tough for this thing to last. And so on the front end, we take it seriously, and we, man, have some counseling. But then, if you've been married for long, you know man, I need some counseling now. And, and we, we encourage that too. Lori and I, and this might, you might be like, well, man, I ain't coming back to this church. Lori and I have been in multiple counseling sessions over the last 10 years to help us with our marriage because we need help. We're trying to stay married forever. We want to love each other till death do us part. We want our kids to be able to look at us and say, that's a great example, and that's not easy. And so we go to counseling at times, and it's a good thing. And if you feel like, oh, that means I'm messed up, well, you are. We all are. You don't have it together. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. None of us do. It's very helpful to sit across the table from a counselor and say, hey, help us. Ask us hard questions. Poke a little bit. We need help in this. We're not perfect. So we take it seriously. And so whether that's counseling or whatever, we take it seriously. But the third thing, if, if we're going to believe what Jesus believed about marriage, then it's going it's to help us encourage each other. And here's what I mean. If you believe what Jesus believed about marriage, then you know this, that Satan wants to destroy marriages. And so if you're somebody, let me give you an example, that can afford to buy a $50 gift card for a young couple that you see around our church, go buy a date night for that young couple. If you're somebody that, man, I mean, whatever that looks like, find a way to encourage Find a way to encourage people that are married because, man, hey, what, what can I do? Can we watch the kids? Can we, whatever, so that, man, because there's, there's just small ways that as a gathering, none of us have it together. Satan's against everything we're trying to do in our marriages, and so he's trying to destroy us. 
So let's be a church that encourages each other, that looks for opportunities to put wind in the sail of the person that's been married for 50 years or the person that's been married for one year. What can we do to encourage each other? If we really believe what Jesus believed about marriage, it should lead us to celebrate it. It should lead us to take it seriously. And it should lead us to encourage each other. You're like, okay, Chris. I get it. But to put it mildly, I've had some bumps in the road. So, uh, Chris, yeah, I'm, I agree with you, Chris, but uh, the last couple decades, there's been some bumps in the road. Yeah, I've gone marriage two, marriage three, or, you know, it just hasn't gone exactly the way I hoped it would, Chris. So, so what about us? What about me? And if that's you, and there's a lot of us, first of all, none of us are perfect, but if you think that kind of about this area of life, it's like, ugh. Chris, I wish I would have heard this, you know, 25 years ago. It's been a, been a little bit of a tough road and there's been some bumps and there's some things in my past that I'd like, oh, I wish that wouldn't have happened. What about me? What about my past? How do I move forward? Two things. First thing is this, be grateful for the God's grace. See, every one of us has bumps in the road. You may have bumps in the road in a different area than I have bumps in the road, but we have all had bumps in the road. And our bumps in the road and moments like this should remind us that God loves us, that he's gracious to us, that he, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have hope. We can wake up today and say, today I have hope because my sin and my past they were taken care of at the cross, and I can move forward today because of not me, but because of the grace of God. It gives hope. And so it should, in a moment where we look back and there's some things we would have done differently or there's some bumps we wish weren't there, it should remind us to, in this moment, just be so thankful for God's grace because it gives us hope. It gives us a way forward. It gives us a place to leave our shame. We leave it at the foot of the cross because of God's grace. But then the second thing, if you find yourself in that way, in that spot, the second thing is do things God's way from today on. So be thankful for God's grace, but then say, okay, man, if you're married, do it God's way. If you're single, do it God's way. If you're planning to get married, do it God's way. From today on, just say, you know what? My past is my past. I'm leaving it at the foot of the cross. Jesus died for my sin, and I'm leaving my shame. I'm leaving all of it back there, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm committing to today doing it God's way. Married, single, going to be married, going to do it God's way. And here's what I know. And I can say this with 100% certainty, and there's not a lot of things I can say with 100% certainty. You will not lay on your deathbed and regret doing it God's way. I promise you. Whatever you're grappling with now, should I do it God's way? Should I you know, do it my way? If you choose God's way, 
You will not look up on the last day you are here on earth and say, I made a mistake. You will be thankful that you did it God's way. Let's pray. As we close up, maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life when I've made that decision to follow Jesus. There's been a time in my life where I've, I've believed that I needed him, that I was a sinner, that I believed he died on the cross and rose from the grave for me, and I, I put my faith in him. And if that's you, you, you know this, the enemy is out to destroy marriages. He's out to destroy families. And he's honestly doing a pretty good job at it. He's doing it pretty much every day of every year. And so if you're here or you're watching online with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you would say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I have made that decision. This week, is there something that you could do to either strengthen your marriage Or encourage someone else in their marriage. Just in the quietness of this room. Just between you and God. If you're a follower of Jesus. Is there something that this week you could do. To strengthen your marriage if you're married. Or to encourage someone else who's married. Is something coming to your mind? Would you just be willing to do whatever God's telling you? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that another thing I'm really confident of is that God loves you. Maybe you thought that, man, before I could kind of come to God, I had to have things kind of cleaned up, had all the, all the bumps in the road kind of smoothed out. Well, whoever told you that was lying to you. Because Jesus came because of our bumps in the road. He came and gave his life on a cross, not for his sin, because he never sinned, but he came and shed his blood to pay the price that you and I should have paid so that we could have a relationship with his father. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, today I want to start a relationship with God. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I want to start a relationship with God. How do I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, just tell God that. Just from your heart to God, we call it praying. It's just telling God what's on our heart. Just tell God, God, I admit to you, I've done things my way. God, I admit to you, I've sinned. And then just tell him, God, I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me. Just tell him. And then just ask him, God, come into my life. 
I want a relationship with you. Transform me now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online and today you made that decision or you have questions, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a decision card right there. You can fill that out. We'll contact you this week and love to answer your questions or encourage you in your decision to follow Jesus. If you're here with us, you can look right in front of you and there's also a decision card. And you can fill that out. Put your questions on there. Take it to the next steps table or just drop it in the offering basket on your way out and we'll connect with you. We'll call you just check in, answer your questions. Today we talked about a subject that maybe is controversial to some people. But at our church, we say our, our very first value is this. Jesus is our lead story. And so no matter what our culture says, no matter what the people on TV tell us to believe, we believe what Jesus believed. We want to follow what Jesus said. And whether it's about money, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about religion, whether it's about a bunch of other fun topics we'll talk about next year, we're never going to go wrong being on the side of Jesus. And so we're always going to be a church that's going to talk about what Jesus said. And then we're always going to be a church that's a place where people that might not believe what Jesus said feel welcomed and loved because that's what it would be like if Jesus was here. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth. I thank you for grace. And God, I pray that you would lead us to love and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.